Welcome to the Minimalist CEO Podcast with Nate Lindquist. Nate created the Minimalist CEO Method to help business owners redefine and grow their businesses by finding new demand in places they never thought to look where there's no competition. By following his opposite thinking strategy, Nate's coaching clients have grown their business up to 40% in just two months and created tens of millions of dollars in revenue. Nate himself has launched more than 140 businesses. On the show, Nate interviews successful business owners and experts who share the secrets you can use to have a better business and a better life. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Nate Lindquist, and welcome to the Minimalist CEO Podcast. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad you came back. I'm glad that you took the time to stop and share this last time. You're going to share it again this time, right? I hope. <laughs> I'm excited that you're here. Um, Definitely download this though, especially if you don't, you don't know if you're going to get through it. So you can listen to it at a different time and subscribe. I am here to introduce special guest. He's the CEO of Pivot and Scale. He is a true minimalist in business at heart, likes to simplify things. He's also the founder of Lead Gen Agency, Cyber Ventures, and uh, built an amazing uh, lead generation company, Autotropolis. It's just a brilliant model. I'm going to let him explain it. But really, what he does is, is very interesting. And, you know, he had a, a fantastic eight figure liquidation exit of his business cyber ventures that he built. So it's, it's a heck of a story. Uh, let me introduce you to Ian Bentley. Ian, thanks for coming on the Minimalist CEO podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, we can probably cut it short because uh, we want to keep it very minimal. Yeah, I think, that's, I think we've done it. Good job. <laughs> that's it. We're good. All right. <laughs> awesome. So uh, Ian, and your name is pronounced Ian, that, which is, I, I got that wrong right out of the gate. So I'm one of the few people, um, we just had a good chat beforehand, uh, one of the few people who takes the time to read through everything that I find on a site. And we had a chance to chat, get to know each other a little bit, but um, your name's pronounced Ian, which I love that. It's unique. Yep. It stands out. You're hired. Thank you. Appreciate yes. it. I'll take the so, job. How much? Whatever you need. <laughs> fine. So Ian, if you could just uh, sh share what your expertise is and what kind of business you're in with our guests so they have a better understanding of the, the top problem that you solve in business. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, a few years back, I did have a, a lead gen agency in which we focused uh, primarily on new car leads in the automotive space. And, uh, you know, before that, I was the typical agency owner where it was get anybody and anyone I can and whatever they needed, I would do. So uh, we discussed this, I would do the brochures, I would, I would do the websites, I would do the ad buy, I'd do everything. And, you know, what will wind up happening was <laughs> after a while, it was just the hamster wheel and it, it, it was, it got annoying. <laughs> it just got annoying having to deal with clients all the time because even the little things like, Hey, I just got a new headshot. Can you put this on the website? Yes, we'll get to it an hour later. How come it's not on the website? Right. Well, that's not going to make a difference, but it's those types of small little things that pile up constantly when you're dealing with tons of different clients across tons of different niches. So. That being said, we wound up starting a uh, lead gen company uh, for new car leads, and uh, we started doing really well with it. We initially started out on a wholesale level where we're selling to the big guys and the aggregators. And uh, eventually, we, we, we pivoted a little bit and we started uh, selling directly to the dealerships. And uh, we were at it for about seven or eight years, and we wound up getting about 700 retail dealerships on board. Uh, we were generating over 100,000 leads a month in the automotive space. And uh, luckily, we, uh, we had a suitor who wanted uh, both our dealer network as well as all of the technology and all of our ad campaigns and all of our uh, landing pages and everything. And uh, 
and purchased the company. And uh, we wound up uh, doing a, it was a deal that was about 15 million bucks. Uh, we went and stayed with the company for a few years. We had a bunch of stock incentive incentives. Uh, we wound up doing well with the company and uh, the whole deal was worth about 20 million bucks. So uh, wow. that being said, uh, took a few years off of that after I worked with the company. And, uh, you know, same type of thing that you're doing, Nate, where there's a major problem that we were seeing that agency owners were having that I was experiencing before I was able to achieve the success that I was having. And it was the same kind of retainer model and just getting anybody you possibly can and the percentage of ad spend. So that led me to uh, start getting into the coaching and mentoring space. And that's uh, when I decided to found a company called Pivot and Scale, which essentially helps agency owners simplify what their agency is, uh, where they basically just generate leads or appointments and they're exactly with they're tuned into the ROI of an actual client rather than selling them the services. So that being said, uh, it's it just becomes very simple as far as the clients are concerned, where their money is being spent. Uh, they know that it has to do with uh, performance-based models. And uh, the way I position everything is, is you just be an industry expert in one niche. You just focus on one thing and you do one thing really well. And that's pretty much what Pivot and Scale is all about. I love that. I love that model. One of the things that we teach, and it's, it's such a good example that you've demonstrated with Pivot and Scale, we call it a true level up model, which is if you work directly with the consumer or directly with the business-to-business buyer, you're going to pay more, you're going to work harder, you're going to have so much diversity in what you offer that's very difficult to streamline the business. So you've obviously figured that out. Um, as a true level up, we call it uh, turning your competitors into your customers. Mm-hmm. So when you have the authority, when you have the expertise, and you can you can take this thousand piece puzzle, we call it the puzzle effect, but you take the thousand piece puzzle, and whittle it down to the 10 pieces, but you change the cover on the box. So you're no longer the same as every other industry. You now decide that we're going to we're going to make the business become simple, you know. With the examples that I, I share, I've shared before, you know, working with a you know a cleaning company that's now doing tens of millions of dollars, but their primary product is training other cleaning companies now. Where it used to be, I have to be the cleaning company. That they still have that. It's good, I think, to hold on to a little microcosm of the business model. But I think the way that you've done it is 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 brilliant. And with two decades. I in, in marketing, I'm like, hey, why am I just meeting this guy now? <laughs> so I dig what you do. Could you could you share the biggest challenges that you had to overcome and what you did to improve your success? Obviously, you didn't just wake up one day and say, well, here's all the processes we went through to do this for, and we're going to call it pivot and scale, and then you open for business. I mean, so what were those challenges that you had to overcome? Yeah, you know, I think the challenges actually are more along the lines of uh, before. Cyber Ventures and Autotropolis. And, and that's where I relate to the other agency owners that come on board in the program is because I was in that exact same, I was doing exactly what they were doing, where it was, let me go ahead and get anybody I can. Let me just do a small retainer. Let me do everything for you. You know, let me, let me do 25 different things. And when you do 25 different things kind of good rather than one thing exceptionally well, what, what, what winds up happening is you get churned. You get people like, eh, not really interested in it. And I would say that the biggest thing that I learned was to just focus on one thing. And if you can just focus on one thing and just be really good at it, in fact, be exceptional at it and be great at it in one industry. See, it's one thing to be an agency and be like, oh, we can, you know, we can 
have eight, uh, clients like Nike or you know all the way to uh, you know a yogurt company. Well, that means you're going to have such an enormous amount of labor and staff, and 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 it just becomes overwhelming. Where if you just focused on just one thing, you're like, you know, we're just going to go after sneakers, and that's it. Like we're not we're not going to take on the yogurt companies. We're just going to focus on on sneakers. So anytime somebody looks to, hey, how can I advertise in the sneaker world? I'm going to look to that guy. Going to look right. to that guy. And that's what we did in the automotive space. And I would say that that was probably the biggest uh, turning point as far as where my career was. Instead of just trying to do everything, just focusing on one thing and, and just being great at it. It's great advice. You know, we share it with our clients all the time. It's insight from you having gone through that process. And I, I think one of the biggest struggles that I see in talking to the business owners that we work with is this concept of, well, we just got to make sure we have a few other things going on. We don't want to have all our eggs in one basket. And right. then what we've seen is it's almost like a bunch of like a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. And they start to uh, overspend and focus less. You know, if you look at the, the success of the books, the one thing which I highly recommend, and I'm sure you've already, you're already aware of that, and uh, essentialism, you know, Greg McEwen, letting go is hard and wanting to do more and having that entrepreneur brain that says, I can also do this. How did you get past that? Yeah, you know, it, it's one simple phrase. Uh, it's keeping your eye on the ball. And, and that's it. As soon as you keep, as soon as you take your eye off the ball, you're going to swing and miss. And that is essentially, that's what happened. And we had opportunities and to go into even inside the car business of, hey, can you focus more on used cars? Can you, can you do dealer websites and things like that? And we tried. And every single time that we tried to do something that was outside of the core, this is what makes us the money. And if we just continue to scale, we'll make more money. And we tried to go wide instead of just go narrow and up. Uh, what wind up happening was like our eye got taken off the ball. So we had opportunities to say, hey, why don't you guys go into the mortgage leads? Why don't you guys go into all of these other industries? And we're just like, if we just stay focused, mm. if we just stay focused, we know that we can continue to grow this properly. And then at that point, potentially have a liquidation event. And that's what wound up happening. And it's a different, it's a different lingo for every industry, different culture, different personalities. Yeah, I almost just said there's a yogurt culture. So you see how those things happen. So, okay. So what I'd like to do then is to, to, to jump to the next piece here, because obviously you were able to extricate yourself and um, that's not easy. You know, I have friends of mine who are still in the agency business, friends of mine who are in other businesses. They're always like, I'm real business is really great, but now what? And, and I'm kind of, I don't know, like, I feel like there's something more. And of course that's great for business for us. Because I'm able to get people to go back to the basics and say, what's, you know, we have this exercise called the ultimate purpose blueprint. That's like, remember that time where you thought you had to do what you're doing for money? And then when you actually started doing something that you really loved, you started making more. When along the way did we forget? So in just a hand, just a short, the shortest answer you can come up with, what was the moment where you made the switch? How did you do it? How'd you get yourself not to go and be everything to everyone? Well, when I, when I realized that I could have a company that runs itself. And that was it. Like when the company, when I had people that I could trust, that I could direct what their specific purpose in the company was supposed to be doing, and I could step away and every morning look at the numbers, see what's going on. Is there anything I need to address? Is there, are there any marching orders that I need to be giving? 
Now, granted, I'm not saying that I was on vacation for eight years, right. but it was not in the trenches. And that's the other thing. It's, it's getting in the weeds and getting out of the weeds is how you're able to run a better business as far as I'm concerned, because there's always going to be somebody that does it better than you, no matter right. how good you think you are at something. Mm-hmm. If you can find talent that does it better than you, they're going to make you more money, even though they might be expensive even though you might want not want to relinquish the control, which I think it's the biggest problem that a lot of entrepreneurs have. Like I just can't give up the control. Mm-hmm. And if it's like, if you just go ahead and let things naturally progress and say, it's okay that I'm not going to be in the ad campaign. It's okay. If I'm not in sales, it's okay. If I'm not in, you know, the development part of it. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, old school flash and things like that. Right. And when I tell you that I, It took me a long time to be like, it's okay not to open up Photoshop today or open up (laughs) open up flash or be able to be like, all right, let me jump on some phone calls and sell stuff. No, it's easier if you're like, this is what I have in my brain, go do it. And and I like to, (laughs) yeah, I don't know if you notice the the guitars and things like that in my background, but yeah, I like to say that running a company and and there's two analogies that I, I make. It's, do you want to be the quarterback of a franchise or you want to be the general manager? The general manager is the one that puts together the team and everybody has to execute in order to go to the Super Bowl. You know, granted, is the general manager the one that's going to get all the, the, the claim, the fame? You know, they get enough, but they're the ones that put together that team. And when they win, it's great. And the other thing is with music, <laughs> I always find it's easier to be the producer than the writer. I, I find it's easier if somebody gives you a song, you can hear these are the things I'd like to change and have the writer actually write them again until it gets to the point where, you know, it's great. Where if you're the writer and the producer and you're the engineer and you're trying to do everything, you don't have an ear to understand that things need to get better. So it's easier just to position yourself at the top and allocate and get the talent around you. That's better than what you are at a lot of the different things and just trust the actual process. Yeah, that's that's some great advice. And I, I like that quarterback or the GM, like the quarterback's going to have to be on the field for every game. Yep. You know, and the GM is like, here's the plan. Here's the hiring. Here's the roles and goals, position outlines. Now, I, I can think of the calm that came over me. And I don't know if you had this moment where, okay, I've got these people, the team members that are doing this. I've got a clear picture of their roles and goals. They, they've, they've all signed off on position agreements. They understand the culture. They see my vision. They're constantly giving me feedback about things that could be even better, but we're doing, when I say constantly, a really, really good interaction with them once a month, sometimes every two months is more than enough. And then it's like, stay in your lane. And there's like a relaxation that kicks in. It's not like the, you know what? It's the switch that I felt. And and maybe you've had this this feeling too, Ian, where what am I going to give my assistant to do today versus my assistant has a game plan as long as he or she is hitting the results or my project manager. Good job. Like, go be great. I don't care where you work. I don't care what you wear. Let's be professional. Let's be thoughtful with people. Let's be classy. But outside of that, like understand the culture and the brand and where we're going. And as long as we're all fighting like crazy to work together to go there, you know, if you're sick, then do the things that you have to do to get better. Yep. But I don't, we don't really need to spend a bunch of time on like time to lean, time to clean. That's going to take up my time to be worried about whether you're cleaning. Yeah. I think it's more of instead of micromanaging, it's checks and balances. You go in there. So if it's sales, 
and you're like, all right, you know, somebody's not had the best week. Well, go listen to a couple calls. You'll be able to identify what's going on mm-hmm. rather than just being like, eh, you know what? I don't understand. Let me jump on, on the sales calls and let me try to get the revenue where it needs to be. And all of a sudden you're back into the weeds again. Right. And you're like, man, how did that just happen? And I yeah. thought I was, I thought I was supposed to play golf today, but unfortunately <laughs> I have all of, I've got seven or eight phone calls that I have to make. And how did that just happen? So it's much easier to me to just, like I said, just be able to be that general manager. If something's not going right, you can take a look at it and identify it and try to fix it. But you're giving the opportunity for the employee or the team member to fix it rather than you go in and micromanage. So I've always found that that usually is a better way of going about it. And listen, sometimes they can't fix it. And that's when it's time to make a change. But Right. It's it's always one of these things where we we would always tell employees we're never going to fire you. You'll fire yourself. Yeah. And that's Yeah, it. come to me, come to me by, you know, hey, this is what I think would have to be in place for this to work. Right. As opposed to please come in and fix it. That's right. Yeah. And 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 you can I think teach employees for my team, I've taught them that I'm not going to solve it. And I will say there's still time to I jump on the calls because I enjoy it. There are times where I shouldn't be on that call. Right. Because it deflates the team member who is waiting to go be great. And it's like, thanks for the coaching coach. Can you give me the ball? <laughs> Let me go. run. Let me show me what I, you know, show you what I can do. All right. Well, as we move along, what comes to mind is sort of, you got a lot going on, a lot of moving parts, and there's a lot of distractions. So being a minimalist CEO is about cutting away the distractions. You'll hear me talk about this a lot. And this ineffective symptom management So getting leverage at the root cause level is super important. What is it that you've cut away? And maybe if you were to share not only what you've cut away, but what you think would be super helpful for the business owners who are listening to cut away that strengthened your business the most in this process. Getting out of the trenches. I mean, it's as simple as that. Get out of the weeds and don't be the CEO, right? If you're the CEO, you have an overview of everything. Where if you decide, you know what, I'm not going to be the CEO and all of a sudden I'm going to get into sales or I'm going to, you know, in the advertising space, I'm going to get into Facebook manager. I'm going to start writing some ads and I'm going to start launching stuff and I'm going to be doing all of the research having to do with audiences and things like that. Well, then all of a sudden, before you know it, it's two or three days later and you're like, what have I been just doing the last three days? I have somebody for this. Right. I have somebody. Or I don't. Or I don't. Have someone that? for that, or I don't have someone for that, right? Isn't that like a like? It's like maybe I need to have someone for that because I'm doing it. Absolutely, absolutely. Again, I think it it, it circles back to what I was saying. Find somebody that's better at it. Yeah. Find somebody that loves it. There are people out there that absolutely love being in Facebook Manager all day long and tweaking the uh, the analytics and figuring out the different audiences and having those victories and. You know, the way we like to position it is if anybody's working on any ad campaigns, give them a little piece of the victory. Even if it's a small piece, it's enough of a bogey for them to be motivated. And right. those are one of the things that we always would, would try to do. And, and granted, we, we didn't give them too much because if we gave them too much, they'd get fat and happy. And right. that's a fine line between an employee that's fat and happy yeah. and somebody who's still hungry. We've had some business, we've had some situations where business is just kaboom, everything goes great. You know, we have some equity partners, a huge month, and we've done bonuses, and then two people disappear. Right. It's just it's actually we've had people leave, like, thank you, this is great. Goodbye. Yep. 
And because, you know, different thresholds, once you hit business, once you start getting into the, the seven and eight figures and you have team members who they're, they're not operating that space and you throw them like a major bonus, they're like, I don't have to work this month. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Or this that's year. Why, that's why commissions are so tough with salespeople. Commissions are, are really tough with salespeople. If, if, you, yeah. if you give them too much, now granted, if they're on commission only, there's, you, you, have, to, you have to position it where, okay, they can make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, you know, if you have them on salary with some bonuses and, and some bogeys, then you know, it's, if, if they're in-house and you're just like, you know, we got to keep them really happy, but we still have to ha- keep them hungry. And there's mm-hmm. a fine line with happy you know, and hungry. Yeah. You got to stay hungry. You got to keep them hungry. So, but you also have to dangle the carrot so that if there is some success that they share in the success with you financially mm-hmm. so that yeah. they're motivated to go do it the next month or the next Well, quarter. and none of us did it ourselves. I think, you know, our philosophy here is all boats rise with the tide. I love surprising people. I had a team member the other day after a decent win cry. I was like, we're talking and she's like, bye. Just, she saw our email come in with, a bonus that was totally unexpected. And for me, that's like, yes, you know, uh-huh. it feels good. So that's good. I, I, I love your approach to that. All right. This is, I love this question. We all love books that inspire us, but if you could recommend one book that you actually implemented in your business, what would it be and why? Yep. So uh, there is one book and it's actually, I do a little package, a welcome package to every single one of my members. And I, I include two books. But one of them is more important than the other. It's uh, The Pumpkin Plan by Michalowski. And The Pumpkin Plan essentially uh, goes into, you have a choice. And, and he does the analogy of, if you're a farmer, if you're a pumpkin farmer, do you want to uh, have a bunch of small little pumpkins in which you're constantly watering a bunch of different pumpkins all over the place and all of these different nutrients and you know, if you're trying to plan on, you know, selling these pumpkins or go to the festival uh, to win the, the the pumpkin of the year award, or do you want to basically say, you know what, I'm not interested in any of the small pumpkins. I only want to grow the biggest one pumpkin that there is. So if there's all these small little pumpkins around that are growing, I cut off the nutrients to them because all that's doing is it's sucking away from what the main goal is. And that's to win the actual festival and have the greatest pumpkin at the festival. Or when people are shopping around for pumpkins in Halloween, what do they usually look for? The most beautiful, biggest pumpkin, all the little small pumpkins, people like eh, it's small, it's ugly, this and that. So anyways, he uses that analogy with business. And that's essentially the same exact philosophy that I use with pivot and scale. It's like you can have all these different ad accounts and all these different clients and all these you know, everything all over the place. And all they're doing is they're sucking nutrients away from you. Where if you just create one brand and you have one basic funnel and you create this third party site and you focus on just generating traffic into that one site and it grows and grows and grows, well, that's your pumpkin. So essentially that's, uh, I would say that's the book. I love that. The pumpkin plan and Michael, who's the author? Uh, Michaelowski. Michael Michaelowski. Yep. Okay, cool. We'll put that, we'll make sure we put that down in the show notes. Yeah. I love that. We'll share that. And uh, can you tell us what the second book is? Because now you piqued my interest. Let's see. Uh, running, uh, it has to do with clockwork. It's, <laughs> I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Running your business like clockwork. It's just basically being able to step away from your business and okay. letting it run on automation. So, so getting into systems, KPIs. Yeah. 
And probably a little less of the actual technical part of it and just being able to say, we're going to trust people as well as the technology to run it so that we can systematically, predictably know what's going to come out of the company. Mm. So trust and predict what the business produces and the people and the systems, et cetera. I love that. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Well, this is huge. This is a great insights. And I'm, I'm sitting here like I'm, I'm writing things down. Like I'm, I'm putting notes down. <laughs> I, I'm like, okay, cool. I, don't, I haven't read the pumpkin plan. So I'm getting that right now. Yeah. So, and, so the, the name of the book is Clockwork, Design Your Business to Run Itself. There okay. Mm-hmm. Clockwork. Perfect. And who's the author on that? Do you have that handy or no? Michael uh, Michalowski. Okay. Another one from Michael Michalowski. Author. Super fan. All right, cool. I love that. Yeah. Now, if listeners get nothing else from this interview, hope they're already getting a lot. We know that. But if they get nothing else from this interview, what's a primary takeaway that you want them all to remember and take action on because they listen to our show today, listen to the Minimalist CEO podcast? It's a great question. And, and uh, one of the things that I, and I don't know if we've even really covered it, but it's one of the things I'm constantly preaching to all of my members is to take imperfect action. And I think that a lot of us get stuck in trying to make everything perfect before we go to, before we launch or before we start testing. And then we get into either research hell or analysis hell, or just trying to perfect everything where it's like, sometimes it's even better just to say, you know what, let's just take imperfect action and go. Because the beautiful thing about a lot of companies nowadays, unless it's straight up a product, like if you're selling a product, yes, you want to make sure that the product is as good as it can be before it goes to market. In my world, it has to do with digital marketing and and things like that. So Mm -hmm. you can always put something out there and test it and see what results happen. But without you putting it out there, it's impossible to get the feedback. So not to get stuck in any kind of the, the, you know, paralysis of the paralysis of anything, essentially, mm. it's, let's do the best we can. If we, let's stick to a time frame, and wherever we're at with that time frame, we're going to go. And I think that uh, that's one of the things I'm constantly preaching with, with a lot of the members is just take imperfect action. Yeah. I love that. We call it, I, I hear that advice, but I hear the version like, have a, have a timeline, have an end date. Yeah. Get started. Uh, we, we say act and draft. That's what I say. Just act and draft. Go act and draft. There you go. You know, there's a Tom Brady. Uh, we're here in Tampa. So uh, he's got this little phrase, LFG. Let's fucking go. I, I mean, was ready. I, I had it. Good. I didn't want <laughs> to steal your thunder. I love it. I'm a right, Tom Brady right. fan. I grew up in the Northeast. Oh, there you go. And okay. I was a Tom Brady fan early. So I oh, wasn't Michigan. like, oh, he's so great. It's like, How's this guy going to do six round and Bledsoe has gone. And uh, it was amazing to watch him progress and him take on a role, a leadership role on the team. He, that's not how it started. Nope. But uh, yeah, I like that. His, uh, but yeah, yeah. Just LFG, just go. Yeah. Go. Don't get stuck. You know, anybody who gets stuck is stuck. Yeah. I like that. Just take imperfect action and just launch. And if you say, Hey, listen, it's going to take 30 days to launch. Wherever you're at in 30 days, just just get out there. Just do it. Awesome. Yeah. This has been a great interview. This is, first of all, um, Ian, thanks for being on the Minimal CEO podcast today. Pleasure, man. Thanks for having me, man. This is cool. You know, as you're talking and I'm thinking about all the insights you're sharing, I'm going to be sharing this link with my friend, uh, Mark Ensign, who's, I think he's really going to love this interview. He's, uh, he talk, he's got a, just an amazing business as well. His company is called Loudmouse. He's just a really good guy, good friend. He's just super connected in the industry. 
Yeah, he's just super creative. He just communicates really well. He's hysterical. And he he for sure has instruments hanging on the wall behind him. But he he's a bass player, too. And he's got a great story. He's been involved with theater. He was the bass player in Rent for a time. And he's got a great story around that. So just I just started thinking of him like, I think he's going to watch this. And I think he's going to like it. I love, um, it. I love it. Well, anybody who's part of the rhythm section is a friend of mine. Right on. That's cool. But you know, you know what they, you know, what they call the, the, the guy who hangs out with the band though, right? The guy who, no. The drummer. <laughs> <laughs> That's, <ouch. laughs> That's so, cool. Oh, I love that you're playing drums when you, I thought you were going to get into music, right? Right, right. Yeah. yeah that's Just cool. As hard as you can. It's okay. That's fine. So you're doing great. Just do you want another stick? There you go. There you go. Did you lose your stick? Yeah. You realize the emails and the, the, the messages I'm going to get from that? <laughs> you know what? Listen, uh, my, my two best friends in the whole wide world are drummers. And I constantly reiterate the fact that they're the person that hangs out with the band. So. I'm a highly skilled tapper, but drumming. Oh, actually, I'm a musician. I sing. I'm actually very serious about my music, but um, that's another conversation. I oh. dig what you're doing. I dig the interview. Again, let's just, I'm gonna, we're going to wrap up. Thanks for being on, man. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. So we just had a fantastic interview with Ian Bentley, the CEO of Pivot and Scale. That is a way understatement of everything this guy's accomplished. And so if you got anything valuable from this, I mean, we've got this, let's fucking go from Tom Brady. We've got this, the book idea, the pumpkin plan, and all the insights from the experience that Ian's had in getting focused on his niche, but doing it in a way where he cut away the distractions. He focused on one thing. And he definitely created his own way. Uh, That's a great example. So I'm really glad that you stayed and listened to the the, the podcast or you're watching the video now. I would love it if you take the moment to download it. You want to connect with me and you want to share what you love about this, someone you'd love to see interviewed. You want to just check in. You can go to theminimalistceo.com. You can also go to our website, interspire.com. You can go to Facebook and find me on Facebook at The Minimalist CEO. Send a message. My team will get it to me. I'm pretty good about getting back. We get lots of messages. Uh, some weeks we get a few hundred. Some weeks we get uh, you know less than that. But uh, we make an effort and uh, to get back. And I actually love interacting. So I love being a part of that. Take a minute to download this. Share it with your friends. Come back and uh, for sure subscribe so you get the next update. I'm really glad that you had a chance to be here.